This week on Slashers, Jake gets a new catchphrase that he immediately crashes into the ground while we talk about Valentine, the movie from 2001. I can't say much more than that. Also, be sure to stay tuned until the very end of the episode for a hidden track by Tsunami Bomb. everyone ignored on valentine's day he remembers you i remember you anyway this is slasher's podcast a podcast about movies and more for those who love oh my god my nose is it's bleeding all over myself i hope no forensic detectives come and find my torrential flow of blood out of my butt fucking face worst detective work ever anyway my name is jake brian who are you i am brian oh cool Jim, who are you? I am Jim Turn. Chad. Producer Chad. Producer Chad. Who are you? Chad. Oh, cool. There's a Chad in this movie. Do you know that? No. Yeah, the cadaver. The cadaver. Oh, yeah. good. Who you can see breathing. Good. And is he a tall, skinny white guy? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, the exact opposite of you. Yeah. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger in <laughs> Batman and Robin when he's Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Like that silvery pale. He looks better than me dead, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So anyway, gentlemen, there's nowhere I'd rather be than with you four on this auspicious holiday season where I, I'm assuming because we're all married men, none of us are getting laid, but all of us are going into crippling debt to buy gifts and flowers for our significant others. Is that fair? Sounds Hell about no. right. See, what's great is I'm not going to jinx it because my wife's never going to listen to this episode. Eh? Eh? Perfect. So the movie this week is... Valentine. Not... <laughs> Velocipaster. Which is the Patreon bonus episode, which Chad prepared for after Brian and I recorded that yep. episode earlier this week. <laughs> so we're going to be going to Chad for all of the in-depth analysis in comparison to Velocipaster, because there's so much with Valentine and Velocipaster. They start with Vs. They have letters in the title. Honestly, I got to say, you guys are missing out if you aren't Patreon users. <laughs> Definitely check it out. That's two creature features in a row for Brian and I. We did Boar in January and then Velocipaster in Feb- February. Does that bother anybody else? It's not nobody? Like Wednesday? Eh. Does, doesn't bother any of you? No. All right. Well, I guess I'm alone. <laughs> so one thing I have to talk about. I'm a little mad. I'm going to throw, I'm going to do like a pro wrestling gimmick. I'm going to, this is my promo, right? The fucks at the Spook House, our little brother podcast, right? They did a watch along of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and in doing so ruined my mojo to do an episode of our own because, and I think all of you are aware of this, for 14 years of my life on Valentine's Day, it was a tradition, even if I was in a committed relationship up until I met my wife, that I would watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre alone on Valentine's Day. That's not sad at all. I really liked it. I had people like asking if they could join. One year I did it kind of like a party and it was really weird. But other than that, it was all alone. <laughs> it was like a single awareness day, like party. <laughs> and then you had just like Leatherface killing people in the background. Yeah, it was weird because this girl I had a crush on was there. And then she brought her friend who had a crush on me. And so it was like she wouldn't make a move on me because of her friend. And I was like, who gives a shit about your friend? Wait, I didn't invite her. If you had the hots for her. And then she kind of got that little vibe going, but then she brought a friend who had the hots for you, the little menage a trois thing going on. I don't know. I mean, I feel like (laughs) that's how things happen, man. Wow. You blew it. Anybody have a time machine to go back (laughs) 13 years? 
Wow. Especially when you get like, you know, the, the chainsaw in the background and the mood is hot, you know, it's, it's symbol hot from and heavy. My dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're all, they're all sexually aroused because Franklin keeps complaining about everything. And that's, you got, that's how you react to it, right? You got grandpa yep. in the background smacking a girl in the head with a hammer and yeah, yeah it's fucking awesome, right? Well, <laughs> this episode is off <laughs> to a very dark start. But the movie's Valentine, like Jim said, the feature film debut of David Boreanaz, who was in Buffy and Angel. Have any of you guys watched any of that shit? I've yep. watched every single episode. Yep, absolutely. Of both. Now, Pretty much grew up watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Why? That's my question. I feel like it was a byproduct of my mom saying, hey, Brian, check out this Buffy the Vampire Slayer show. <laughs> okay, sounds yeah, good. Right. I loved the movie with Luke Perry and everything. Like That was great. Paul Rubens is in it. Yeah. And then the show I tried watching, I was like, "This is it trying to be? Why is it trying to be serious? Like, why is everybody scowling always? The movie <laughs> is not like that at all. I don't know, man. It was between that and like Dawson's Creek. Exactly. I watched a good <laughs> minute of Dawson's Creek. Like, I'm sad to say way too many hours are involved with Dawson's Creek for me to admit. I watched Power <laughs> Rangers until an uncool age, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I'd, fu- I'd much rather watch that than Dawson's Creek to this very day. Fair enough. Now, had you guys all seen this movie before we watched it for this episode? No. Nope. I hadn't seen it in like, let's say, 18 years, which is crazy to think of how old we all are at this point. So I had misremembered a few things. So it's kind of like watching it again. But like, like I was really able to subvert my expectations because I was like already jumping to a conclusion of like, ah, yeah, this. Ha- no, it didn't happen. But this is going to. Nope, that didn't happen. either. <laughs> I honestly have never seen it. But there's one kill scene in particular that just I feel like has been shown multiple times as far as like maybe just like a classic kill. And I won't go into detail about what it is because I don't want to give it away. But yeah, just when I saw it happen, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I think I do remember seeing something like that. So that's about it. Well, shall I get into some trivia for this week? Yeah, buddy. Did any of you know that this is a very loose adaptation of Tom Savage's 1996 novel of the same name? Mm-hmm. No. Who's Tom not. Savage? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is his only adapted work, and the director has said that the producer, Dylan Sellers, who bought the rights to it, quote, Dylan saw the title, liked the title, and said, I don't want to make that story. I want to make something else. <laughs> so basically, he bought the rights to the book so that he could have a movie called Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> there's, okay. there's no mask there is a killer who has been horribly ridiculed by girls but it's in college they call the girls the elements so he kills them all with a different theme of elements which is kind of convoluted there's mm. another thing that's pretty close and it's implied in the movie where they talk about his parents in the novel he kills his parents and then spends 12 years in prison on a manslaughter charge and at this point the women are more like middle aged like the lead girl Gross. is like an author who has a kid and it's just a little odd. The deaths include one gets buried in an unmarked grave. The other has a skiing mishap, which is supposed to be wind. Another is set on fire, which is fire, obviously. And then you don't get water because the girl saves herself. Hmm. And that's basically all the trivia for this film, because there's <laughs> not a whole lot going on. Shall we get into statistics? Let's do it. Ryan, how much do you think this movie cost to make? Entirely way too much for what it turned out to be. <laughs> yeah. Chad, if I was to give you a number, <laughs> pick a number between 10 million and 29 million. That's oddly specific. 12 million. You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> pick a number between 10 million and 29 million. 12 million and one. You're correct. Oh, I like the game he's playing there. <laughs> Ryan, like pick a number between 10 million and 29 million. 
16 million. You're also correct because everything I found on the internet was like, eh, it's vaguely between this number and this number. I'm like, that one number is thrice the first number almost. So that's a way too big of a spread to be like a window. It kind of just makes it seem like somebody was lying in their pockets the entire yeah. time. They're like, oh yeah, it was this much money. Oh, you know, weird thing. We had to buy the mansion to film here. I'm just going to take it when we're done. Sorry about it, guys. Yeah, buddy. Almost like the Velocipaster, where they he somehow <laughs> managed to acquire this sweet-ass T-Rex outfit, and uh, nobody asked for it back. Maybe because it was shit. Yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> Hunchback of the Velociraptor. So this is frustrating. Because that window is so broad, I read multiple articles that cited this as true, that I can't prove because I don't know what the actual budget was. But somebody said that if the budget is, in fact, $10 million, it would be the cheapest film in history to have a Super Bowl commercial if you take it like in the quote unquote modern era. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of cool because I mean, Super Bowl is always at the beginning of February, so it would be perfect marketing strategy. So but I really want to like I want to fact check that and be like inflation. Like you mean to tell me that on Super Bowl two, they were like, hey, let's make a film. Razzmatazz. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> bullshit. So the domestic gross $20,384,136. International gross, $16,300,000. Coming together for a $36,684,136 worldwide. That's not too bad of a return. If it's a $10 million movie, but if it's a $29 million movie, well. that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so it varies. Yeah. that's what I, I can't even value if this is a flop or not. Like, maybe it was. Maybe it was a moderate success. But either way, didn't do well enough to get a sequel thank god yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean come on guys the ending what a twist right jim and i were talking about that i'm really excited to get to the ending because <laughs> it's like the whole movie you're watching it through the lens of oh that's way too obvious to be what it is and then it is what it is jive turkey but then it's like slightly different the competition came out 2201 the next week you had hannibal and then this probably caused some confusion my friends Two weeks after this movie came out, you had The Caveman's Valentine. Huh. You imagine you're going in to see that and all of a sudden motherfuckers bleeding out his nose and stabbing people with arrows? <laughs> nope. There was also Head Over Heels and The Million Dollar Hotel. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> Ryan, runtime, 96 minutes. Easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. It was too long. Yeah, I could have cut some. <laughs> Jim, what do you think? Yeah, it was a bit too long. Yeah, this is odd pacing. I feel like they were padding it for some reason. Like, you could easily cut 10 minutes out of this. A lot of the dating stuff. <laughs> you know, the dating stuff doesn't even bother me that much. It's the lingering. You know, it's not it's not edited tight enough. So like when the, they're doing the speed dating, for instance, it doesn't have that like pop of like the YouTube era. Right. You know, there's like a little bit of a pause before they start talking and then they talk and there's a little bit of a pause after. I don't know. Modernly, our editing is so much like mm -hmm. half the time you feel like you're being edited halfway into a sentence. What it's do you funny because I watched it on YouTube, just the clips and it was great. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're dead. They're dead. They're dead. We're done. Yeah, I feel like honestly, probably could have been about an eight minute film. And Should have been, been a short perfect, film. <laughs> right? 80 minutes, cut 15 minutes of fluff, and I'd be happy with it. Yeah, there are a couple kills in here that are just to give a body count. I mean, they're not inventive in any way. They're and that's not what's boring. so crazy is they actually cut kills where I feel like they could have taken out some shittier ones yeah. or at least just 
gotten rid of some random shit where they're like talking to each other at the funeral or whatever and you're just like I don't fucking care just show more people die <laughs> yeah and the blu-ray apparently re-included some of the kills in a more extended format but then I don't want extended kills and the same length movie I want you to cut some of the movie and put the kills in right right so I don't want it to be just longer I never want anything to be longer Quentin Tarantino is talking about doing the hateful eight as a series I don't want it longer I wanted that movie shorter. I didn't want that movie at all. It's kind of the same thing I feel about this one. There's like a bunch of side characters that have absolutely no relevance whatsoever to the main storyline. And they're giving them kind of like a little backstory. And then they die. And you're like, I didn't care about any of that. You could have just showed them die immediately and I would have been fine. And then they show characters that don't die. Like the stepmom. She was super annoying. And I was like, oh, man. I but hope she, she does die in the cut stuff. Did you hear about that? They actually have her myrtleized and they're like well we're just we don't have time for that so sorry about it this is what happens when we do a movie off of tubi and voodoo for free because they didn't put the cool version of it <laughs> bogus <laughs> speaking of you know brian mentions the scene that's cut did you know that in the extended scenes young jeremy melton walks in on mommy so is this somehow supposed to be contributing to his like adult craziness going on like later on in life or what i don't know i i don't think he's she's having sex with a cherub so i'm not really sure <laughs> would make the movie better Ah, uh, no, that's pedophilia, dog. <laughs> you know. So quick thing. What do we all think of the mask before we get into the movie? I like it. I like the concept a lot. I think that the execution is made to look cheap because it's like really bad camera. Angles. Right. It, yeah. it just it seems very simple, but it works. I put in my notes constantly. I'm like, this shot is way too static. The lighting is way awful. It just looks cheap and it just looks comical because the head just looks disproportionate. Whereas if you're up close using like harsher lighting, you know, more staunch contrast, and you have like you know some overexposed sections and underexposed sections, it becomes way more visceral and kind of unnerving. Whereas this it's just kind of like oh it's cute what was the name of the movie i don't know if anybody's Lilo gonna get this where it's a bunch of women who go on these robbery sprees and they wear these masks that are like they're almost see-through but they're like uh smoky does that make any sense i think queen latifah's in it like once upon a time do you recall I something do. like that mad money there you go i think they all wear masks don't they uh, I think no, they maybe do. not. No, I think you're right. <laughs> maybe this is just silly filler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put in women robbery movie mask Queen Latifah, and the masked singer comes up, which apparently is on right now. Damn it! No, the Mad Money. It's like dolls. So I guess you're still kind of right. Oh, okay. This. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. God damn it! But the mask reminds me of the happy. Death Day to you, that mask? Yeah, still haven't seen that. Yeah, I keep talking about us seeing it f so that we could do a Patreon bonus or something. Doesn't it take place on Valentine's Day? No, it's her birthday, I think. Nope, it's set it off. Look up, set it off. Set it off masks. Ew, I don't like that at all. <laughs> 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 that image reminds me of the killer from Nip Tuck who butt fucks Christian. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. Yeah, I do what I'm talking about. The guy who doesn't have a dick. I think that's Jada Pinkett Smith, too. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Wow. In Nip Tuck? Yeah. There's Never like a killer. Show. Who's got like a face. All right, everybody. American Horror Story, there's one. Killer, Nip, Tuck. <laughs> everybody Googles all at once. Let's go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. See, it's this like porcelain face. It 
He's like, hey, Christian, I'm going to fuck you in the ass with a strap on, but a condom because I don't have a dick. Huh. I remember that being like, that's an unnecessary. The Carver, huh? The Carver. Yes. Interesting. As in George Washington Carver. <laughs> so basically the guy who invented peanut butter on the stoplight fucks Christian in the ass on the first season of Nip Tuck. Makes sense. Yeah. That's as succinct as I can get about that whole first season. That's the whole <laughs> character arc is he goes from inventor to... Right. <laughs> Movies directed by Jamie Blanks. I could come up with a joke about his name, but I'm drawing a Blanks. <laughs> <laughs> so he initially passed on this film thinking it would be a remake of My Bloody Valentine. And then they ended up remaking My Bloody Valentine anyway. And both of those <laughs> movies are better than this one. So heh, yeah, he got the job because he had rendered a trailer for I Know What You Did Last Summer before that movie came out to try and get that job. But that was already given away by producer Neil Moritz. But then he was like, I'm going to keep this young whippersnapper's number in my Rolodex. Gave him a ringling <laughs> ding on this one. He also did the films Storm Warning, and his last directing gig was Long Weekend, 2008. Wow. He's now working predominantly as a composer, but he did work as a camera operator on Bubba Hotep. Oh, yeah. Fun thing, he does an audio commentary of this film with Don Cascarelli, who, of course, adapted and directed Bubba Hotep. You'll remember he's the Beastmaster guy, the Phantasm Fool. Interesting. It is quite. So the film was adapted by Wayne and Donna Powers. You might recall their work from Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Seen it multiple times. I'm sorry to say. What do you mean, sorry to say? <laughs> that movie is so good. That's one with LL Cool J in it, right? Uh, with the fucking bird. Yeah. And Thomas Jane and that chick. And Samuel Jackson's like, monologue, 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 motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that with my wife and she was like, oh, well, obviously he's going to die. Right. And I was like, son of a bitch. Just like suspend your imagination. <laughs> yeah. At the time that was groundbreaking. It was like, wait, they interrupted the man's monologue for that. <laughs> they also did the Italian job, which I think sad to say the Italian job is probably closer to this film than Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> it was rewritten by Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts. Berg was famous for writing shows Roswell, Pushing Daisies, and Revenge. And then Harberts did everything Berg also did. So I guess they're like a writing tandem. The dynamic duo of rewrites. As I had mentioned earlier, produced by Dylan Sellers. Then there's music by Don Davis. They did The Matrix, Jurassic Park. Behind Enemy Lines. No one knows what it's like. <laughs> I don't know how to include that. Because it's behind blue eyes is the joke, but it's behind, behind enemy lines. Do it. I got nothing. Do it, Fred Durst. <laughs> you remember when Limp Biscuit covered that masterpiece of a song? Did he really? Yes. Oh, God. I guess I have something to YouTube later. No, <laughs> you don't. Never give that views. Because then he's going to think that he's still relevant. And he's going to make another fanatic film. <laughs> Last thing we have, makeup by Faye Von Schroeder, who did the makeup for Look Who's Talking Now, Highlander the TV show, Gilmore Girl, oh, Happy Gilmore, <laughs> Bordello of Blood, and Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. But about a thousand people did makeup for yeah. Cabin in the Woods, so I'm not that impressed. She might have done the makeup for one of the 17,000 background characters from the dismemberment goblins to the Cthulhu wannabe. You might want to listen to our episode just to catch you <laughs> up on all that. Shall we? Get, oh, 
we can finally do the nicknames thing. Yeah, because in its original form. Yeah, for a while it's just Jake and I bouncing the different <laughs> names back and forth with each other. <laughs> Shall we step on to nicknames? Dick names. Snick names. Prick names? Boosh! <laughs> with a vengeance. Uh, watch out, Hans Gruber's cranky brother, Jeremy Irons. That's who plays it, right? Die Hard with a Vengeance? Yeah. He fucks the lady who uses the little scalpel like the the pruning shears to kill the guys in the bank. Anybody? Get, don't stonewall me here. <laughs> As in, hey, Zeus, God of Thunder, I'll shove a lightning bolt. Such a great movie. I'm distracting myself deliberately because this movie, it's not bad. It's just not good. Well, so I think it's, it's almost more it's reason to go crazy. <laughs> That's a fairly accurate <laughs> description of the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like when we do movies that are terrible, like I stay on target because I'm like, I have to beat this into submission and make Michael Myers feel bad. Bing, bong, boom. With this one, it's like, eh, whatever. Colors are cool too, right? <laughs> you guys see anything particularly shiny in your lives this week? So we have Denise Richards as Paige Prescott. Sounds like a damn comic book character. She was in Starship Troopers. Yes, she was. You know what else she was in? I don't know because I, I love Starship Wild Things. Intentions? I don't think so. Wasn't she in Cruel She's Intentions? In Wasn't Wild she doing like that? She is in Wild Things. She makes out with Ned yeah, Campbell Yeah, she too, does. Right? In the pool. Yeah. Oh, I thought that's that was Cruel thinking. Intentions. Okay, but that's the other one. Cruel Intentions at Sarah Michelle Geller who that's makes out with That's right. That's right. Okay. So what are we calling Denise Richards? <laughs> I was going to call her Wax On, Wax Off. <laughs> right? Because the guy's like, are you going to wax me or what? <laughs> I kind of like it. So we're going to keep it. Then we move on to... I'm a child. I think we've established that because when I said it earlier, David Boreanus was what I wanted to call him. <laughs> Even though I mean, it was obvious what it was going to be, right? It was clearly going to be Angel from his work on Angel and as the character <laughs> Angel. But still... The director Blanks said that it was hard to keep track of him because they had him for 10 days. So they had to shoot all of his stuff and have like use it in relation to the other stuff to like create red herrings. So you couldn't like go back and do anything else. Like once he was gone, he was gone. Like that's a lot of pressure. Now, for a is guy that who something had... that like he has any control over? Or is it just like his agent? That's just like, well, fuck you. You only get him for 10 days. Probably something to do in the, the, the contract they signed. And God, probably that's so awful. That's one of the reasons why you see a lot of people who do TV acting. It's because that schedule is so rigorous. It really pigeonholes you to do it. I mean, that's why you got guys like Steve Carell who just walk away from the show. Or like Chappelle, for instance, who's like, well, you guys want me for how many years for Comedy Central? You can fuck off. Yeah. And, and then they just give the show to Key and Peel. I was say, and this is like the best guy that they can get for this role, right? And so I think there was a few other guys that they had in mind. But they couldn't get them. Yeah. So this is the best guy that they can get. Yeah, and then they're true. like, well, we're going to bend over backwards for him because we don't want to go down another step. Well, and also imagine this. You have a guy who's on TV every week. So he stays relevant by default during the season. So it's kind of compelling to keep him for that reason. So it's Angel for him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Marley Shelton. Her parents, uh, you know, <laughs> three little birds on my doorstep. Iron, lion, and Zion. Marley? I got it. Yeah. Bob, Bob Marley. Bob, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you all were like, no. The straight edge guy can make jokes about weed too, you know. They don't all have to be negative. It just she doesn't was, sound right. Choke it up, bro. <laughs> Are you guys smoking that dope? <laughs> Are you on the reefer? <laughs> reefer madness, yeah. anybody? So she played Kate Davies. 
she was in Bubble Boy, which is like all I remember wow. her from. Never been kissed, Scream Four, Grindhouse, Sugar and Spice. I did see Sugar and Spice, but she was just the Bubble Boy girl. She was also in Sandlot. She was just the Bubble Boy girl. <laughs> Poontang. She was also in Sandlot. Poonanny. Wendy Peppercorn. Okay, the but lifeguard. Donnie Darko oh. had dumb yeah. hair and a hamster ball. So how am I supposed <laughs> to focus on your thing? You're well, killing Wendy me, Smalls. Wendy Peppercorn was just like the hot lifeguard that. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't remember so whatever Jake, I, apparently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was Bubble Boy. What are you not understanding about this? That <laughs> we <laughs> so good i would love to cover it i'm still pitching that we do a whole month of trashers so if you'd like to see it please put a absolutely a, an entry in the slasher <laughs> submission form email at slasherspod at gmail.com i would appreciate it greatly do you have a nickname for her i was gonna call her the chick from bubble boy <laughs> <laughs> okay. i'm not even joking fair enough i think that movie is that funny because it's that bad <laughs> what'd you have i had lifeguard or a Wendy Peppercorn. Or Wendy. Any of you sluts have anything else? No. Nope. <laughs> I think that wins. Chick from Bubble Boy. Yeah. <laughs> I would also like to say a shout out to our friend uh, James Bellamy. He had reached out and sent us an email previously based on something that we said on the show. A recommendation for our future episode. With this lady, apparently she didn't know what acting is because in order to be scared for one of the scenes, they actually had somebody pop out in the stupid mask and be like, Bleh! And scare the shit out of her for real because she would kept like looking where he was going to be. And you could see that problem when she's walking to her apartment door. She sits there and she like looks very clearly at the things that are supposed to happen. And when she enters the apartment, she like, looks directly at the, the iron. And then she goes, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to do that yet. I'm putting my coat on the rack and then I'm looking at the iron. So it's like a roundabout ditzy way of doing method acting. Exactly. Yeah, right. like, no, really scare me. The director's like, you're going to be Daniel Day-Lewis one way or another. I hope that the microphone I like that. me cracking my knuckles. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That hurt we really bad. I'm an old man. We didn't add that. <laughs> no. So in junior high, she had a crush on a boy and they were supposed to go out on Valentine's Day and she made him heart-shaped brownies. But then he stood her up because he had a cold. Then she found out that was a lie. And then she refused as like an act of defiance to throw away the brownies. And they became stale. And her mom was like, you need to let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I'm sure whoever interviewed her for this just found that completely riveting. <laughs> Craig Gilborn. And he, yeah, you could tell that was not a good interview. <laughs> Thanks for whoever put that on YouTube for me to watch and waste my time with jessica capshaw <laughs> clothes captioning provided by <laughs> dorothy wheeler <laughs> did you know she's steven spielberg's stepdaughter huh, huh. nepotism how'd you, That's what I to call business, huh? how'd you get this job <laughs> yeah i wanted to call her nepotism for that reason because she bad yeah sounds good let's see what she's been doing with her career uh nothing she was in Minority Report. Oh, she was also in Grey's Anatomy. A few of these. Oh, she was in Schindler's List as Miscellaneous Crew. I remember <laughs> that. Oh, yeah. An integral in the role of Oscar Schindler. Oh, she was in Bones in 2006. So they all kind of go in full loop and, and end up working with each other yeah. later on. That's kind of neat. 
I like it. We'll keep it. Okay, so nepotism it is. Yeah. Then we go to Jessica Caulfield. Not to be confused with like a Holden Caulfield, anybody? A little catcher <laughs> in the rye humor there? Nobody? I'm going to smoke cigarettes in a park and be sad. Do you remember that book? Never read I met, it. You, oh, dude, I've met so many people who say it's like their favorite book. I'm like, it's just this kid who mopes around. And then he tries to hire a prostitute. Fun fact, prostitute's name is Sonny, right? And you're like, oh, that's kind of an odd Sonny name. Sonny up. No, J.D. Salinger, mm-hmm. his nickname was Sonny. So he's a prostitute. And he's also mm. a sex pest who would only grant interviews to underage women. Mm. That's that's the horror. This movie is not scary. J.D. Salinger, he was a scary man. <laughs> <laughs> Some say, if you listen in this garage on a stormy <laughs> night, you can hear him going, <laughs> I love your impersonations. They're getting better and better, man. <laughs> Let me get that Bernie. Let me get that Bernie one. <laughs> It's It's a cross between Nixon and Bernie. Yeah, I know. To Vermont in the month of May. That's the president we need. Look here, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. I'm going to shove the size 12 shoe leather up your Buttigieg. You want to, I'm going to make you suck. Iowa caucus. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> We're moving on. What are we calling Miss Holden Caulfield, who played <laughs> Lily Vaught? Voight? I got nothing. I was. A, we call it pincushion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There you go. Target Catherine practice. Heagle. What did you say? It's target practice. Oh, I like that better. Target <laughs> practice. All right. We got Catherine Heagle, the Kegel, as Shelly Fisher. Why did I make a vaginal joke? Because she claims everybody who she meets is sexist, <laughs> and she's alienated herself from all of Hollywood. <laughs> She reportedly hates this film and admitted that she only read her scenes and not the entire script. It doesn't make me feel bad that she's in this for 10 minutes. You know what's great? Nine years later, some say to the day, (laughs) she was in a movie called Valentine's Day. I would love that somebody's like, oh, why don't you rent us that uh, Catherine Hagel Valentine's Day movie? (laughs) So some dumb husband like me is like, oh, I'm just going to skim through this text and go to the store. (laughs) Valentine, here you go. The wife's like, I was going to put out, but instead I'm going to pour boiling hot wax on your cock. (laughs) Uh, She was once. Okay. How do I even get into this? Because I've never watched Grey's Anatomy. So I don't know how big a deal this should be. She once removed herself from Emmy consideration because she basically threw everybody under the bus and was like, hey, I wasn't given material that was good enough this season to justify a nomination. And so just don't nominate me. That's a pretty petty thing to do, right? It's like so yeah. how how far up her own ass she is. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine was also quoted saying, my career took off in the 20s when it... <laughs> When the twenties. I'm sorry, <laughs> ragtime girl. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the Marx Brothers? <laughs> oh God! Imagine what Groucho would do to this bitch. Uh, in my twenties, when I first took off, I was uh, not going to not deny that I was uh, that I had was. Some arrogance? That's a weird phrasing. I'm not going to deny there was some arrogance. Yeah. So even then she's like dissociating herself from it. Like I wasn't arrogant, but there was just a general milieu of arrogance around. (laughs) I'm happy that she actually just straight up called herself an asshole. Yeah. Because she was. Well, then she's like, oh, and I was feeling pretty much untouchable and on pretty top of the, on pretty much on top of the world. Like, yeah, that's kind of a. (laughs) Well, if it puckers like an asshole and it's full of shit. That's a good one. I like that. So one of the things that she expressed a lot of concern over was in acting, you don't just scream immediately. You know, in real life, if your voice cracks, nobody cares. If you're off key, nobody cares. But to do it 
on the night over and over again in you know a scene that's something that she expressed some concern about i was like that's actually kind of a, a fair you know worry i think going into it because you know how many times have you seen the movie where the guy screams like a little girl like accepted and it's like oh the joke is that he can't scream right imagine if she came out real husky people <laughs> thinking that she's uh, a little, uh, little what's a uh, Who's got laces out, Dan? <laughs> Who's got the big old dick in Ace Ventura? Yes. Finkel is Einhorn. There you go. And Einhorn is Finkel. And so she, just like the other girl, was talking about that her greatest direction that she received was having to overcome the expectation of like knowing where the killer is and knowing what's going to happen because you know the like blocking and the layout of the scene and the script, obviously. And I think that that's something that... In literally the eight minutes that she was in the film, she was having a hard time with that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then like, let's think about this. This chick, and you compare her to Shelley Duvall in The Set of the Shining, where you have Stanley Kubrick be like, bra, 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 <laughs> with his revolver, and she's like, oh, God. She's like, I just wanted one spoonful of soup. Have you seen that clip? No. Dude, Stanley Kubrick some... like runs her down, and it's like, what the fuck? You know, he's like pissed Dude, because she comes in from the cold, is... and he, she has like two spoonfuls of soup. She, yeah, Kubrick's fucking crazy, dude. Uh, the one, the part where he like has the whole crew dropping snow, uh, yeah. and then she's not out there, and he's just like, "What the fuck is that?" The one you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, at yeah. that point, yeah, I would be like, "What the hell?" But yeah, well, you know, all the oh, yeah, I don't know. Didn't see him doing it to Jack Nichols. Oh, yeah, that's true. I go. know it's Nicholson. I said it wrong on purpose. I just realized as soon as I said it, there's going to be somebody like, <laughs> and then people said he was like remarkably tender with the kid who played Danny. Hmm. So he only hates women. So he probably had some kind of like deep emotional hatred for women, like yeah. you said. A mother figure. <laughs> that mother figure. <laughs> All right. What are we calling her? Catherine Hegel, the Kegel. Works for me. Kegel. Kegels. Kegels. We had the chick who played Ruthie Walker. Who really gives a shit, but she was the voice of some characters in a video game. Who put that note in my notes? Ha ha. There we go, Brian. You could say that line. <laughs> she was the voice of Yuna in Final Fantasy X and X2. Which ah, is 10 and 12. The more you know. <laughs> and she was in Kingdom Hearts 2? That is correct. I don't know which character. but yep. Kingdom Farts, more like, am I right? <laughs> That's Take right. that. You have Fulvio Cecir as Detective Leon Vaughn. That guy was a dick. That's the most Italian name I've ever heard. Yeah. I was going to call him Detective Inappropriate <laughs> or Detective Me Too, but maybe that's a little too, <laughs> a little too <laughs> soon. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I'm imagining that in his daily life, he, like kids would make fun of him because of the Fulvio name. Be like, hey, Volvio. Oh, boy. Like a, like a little bit of a vulva, <laughs> you know, not the meat meat, but the flicky flicky. <laughs> so I like Me Too. Yeah. Detective yeah. Me Too. Sasir's 2018 documentary film, 350 Days, includes interviews with 70 current and former professional wrestlers. The film, whose title referenced the number of days many wrestlers spend working each year, took five years to complete and resulted from an interest in wrestling that arose out of Sasir's work on Cinderella Man. You know what's super interesting? I just listened to a podcast with Rhino, the ECW, WWF. Uh, that guy's Jack. The, the guy whose legs look like Chad's torso. He talked about, he actually calculated over eight full years of his life have been wrestling. When you factor yeah. in like breaks and injuries and everything like that. I'm actually pretty interested in this documentary now that I did a little research on the guy. Hell yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I'm a big fan. I've been doing a bunch of wrestling shit lately. I don't know why. YouTube is so evil because it's like, hey, you listen, you you watch this documentary about how RoboCop was in WCW. You want to find out what other dumb shit WCW did? And I'm like, I do. I really do. Right. 
and then not only that, but then you go into different countries that have the wrestling going on, like oh, New Japan Pro Wrestling dude. and shit like that, and you're like, oh my god, we are so far behind, like behind when it comes to this shit. Crazy, right? <laughs> like the whole NWO thing. It's very commonly accepted that Eric Bischoff, even though he denies it, that that whole NWO angle was stolen from Japanese wrestling that had done it years before with great success. The whole like quote unquote invasion. So one quick thing I'd like to give a shout out to my boy. Jushin Thunder Liger, who retired. Chris Jericho did an episode of his podcast that was delightful where he went through the history of Super Liger. If you ever never heard of Super Liger, probably my favorite wrestler who's only ever wrestled one time in existence. <laughs> only once. <laughs> and then never again. Had to be an amazing match. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Jericho watches the match and it's amazing. It's like me editing this podcast. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Daniel Cosgrove is Campbell Morris. Cosgrove has been a cast member during the series finale of three consecutive canceled soap operas. <laughs> Guiding Light, As the World Turns, and All My Children. I didn't know All My Children was over. My mom used to watch that shit religiously. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show that he probably is a douchey prick, just like he is in the film. So he probably deserved it. Yeah, I, I don't think he deserves a nickname. The um, the embezzler. Low budget Chris Pine. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Very good. Very good. I'll take it and let's go. Next, you have Johnny Whitworth as Max Ramey. If you guys remember, he's the artistic tool that has the fun bedhead kind of hair going on and the weird sideburns. Did you guys know it's those sideburns? Oh, yeah, they're bad. Yeah, exactly. He was in Empire Records, The 100 and 310 to Yuma. I don't really have anything for him. I'm the, looking the to artist. see if he's related to Sam Raimi, who is now directing Doctor Strange. I saw that. Multiverse yeah, of Madness. I saw that. Yeah. Well, if they are related, he doesn't show up on his relatives. Are we going to call him the artist? He doesn't really need a nickname. He's not in it for very long. How about we call him the shardist because he wet the bed? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Does he, though? Yeah, he's not that good. I don't he's, think, does he wet the bed? No, I'm. he shits the bed. He shits the bed? No, not really, but I mean, his acting is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused right now. I'm like, like, what part like, of this movie? I only saw clips, and I was like, I didn't see that part. <laughs> I told you, like, <laughs> what's man, going on? this kid really <laughs> shit the bed. <laughs> Did we watch the same movie? <laughs> uh, that's in the extended scenes, Brian. <laughs> oh, shit. Literally. <laughs> Fucking voodoo. Hey, yo. And then we had the guy who played Gary Taylor, Claude Duhamel. Or like Duchamel. <laughs> and we move on. Who's doing the recapitation this week? I'll go ahead and take it. You have five teenage girls who picked on a boy at a Valentine dance are getting targeted one by one in bloody revenge. Hmm. Okay, now let me try it, my version. Okay. Five teenage girls who picked on a boy at Valentine's Day dance are getting targeted by one in bloody revenge. What, what? Of course you win because you're stupid fucking accent. But the joke is because of the way <laughs> you use the word bloody. Yeah. Like the vernacular. It's, it's cool. Whatever. Like I not that it's like actually bloody. I didn't bloody have revenge. a hoity-toity little accent. <laughs> you want to try it? No. No, I don't. <laughs> Let's do, I want you to be. Nope. <laughs> Boston, Massachusetts is the same one. <laughs> <laughs> the harbor. Yeah, I was like, I don't know, five teenage. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> You don't have to do it. Nope, we're good. <laughs> I just love the way that you use bloody. Because you meant it literally, but like I only ever see that in terms of like bloody what what? In, Governor? In bloody revenge. Bloody revenge. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Can you say can you give me a blimey? 
<laughs> Blimey. <laughs> and we move on to Jim. Jim, I would like you to regale us with your best accent for the first section until we interrupt you. <laughs> Any accent. We got a razzmatazz this episode. Nobody cares. Five people saw this movie and four of them were in this garage. La 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 la. Not happening. <laughs> so the movie starts with a nerdy kid at a dance asking girls to dance with him, and they all shut him down. It's sad. I like that the girl who ends up slobbing his knob is the only one who's like, maybe later. How much later? Years. It's a little foreshadowing, right? Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So while he's asking them out, the credits are rolling, and there it's basically a yearbook, and he's got a bunch of the stuff written all like I I love you or love, and yeah. then also hate and like their names crossed out and stuff. I don't know why that was so noteworthy. That's what my yearbook looked like. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish that that would like make an appearance in the movie though. Like somebody finds it and they're like, oh shit, Jeremy was crazy. Just because that visual was, I liked it a lot, and I would have loved. Yeah, would have tied it in better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I totally went through that shit. Like when I would see some girl at school and like at a dance and I'd be like, Hey, let's go dance. And they'd kind of just giggle and like walk off. And I'm just like, it's kind of, it's cool. Fuck me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I, mean, please it's fuck like, me. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like rejection's not that hard to imagine, but you know, yeah, I think this is very relatable. And I think what's interesting is I could definitely see a, a lot of like women I know in my daily life. Like, Oh, it's not that bad. I'm like, this is the stuff. This is the stuff that makes people kill people. Yeah, you know I mean, absolutely. Yeah, the after the aftermath of everything that happens in this, like the very beginning, like for sure, yeah. someone either kills themselves or other people first, and then themselves. Well, like the fragile <laughs> male ego is something that, like, it's so hard for people to talk about in like a calm and like safe way. Because if it's like my feelings are hurt, how many people you know, like, oh, you know, I understand that your feelings are hurt. Let's talk about. It. Let's be constructive. What are some tools we could use for the next time we're asking girls out? Or people would be like, fuck. <laughs> actually coincidentally enough i want to say warner brothers actually the one of the reasons why they had to cut a lot of the like extreme violence is because right after or right before this movie was released it was Columbine. a Columbine thing yep. so it Talk almost has like a lot of yeah. it has a lot of kind of stuff that carries over right with these kids getting bullied and whatnot yeah, well, my point in mentioning it is just like that's what makes this movie real like i think that that is such a topical thing now especially when you're seeing a lot of people's, you know, incel reaction, right? Like this guy is the proto incel. We were talking about it. I think this movie definitely deserves a remake. And I think it'd be crazy to add like the digital component. Yep. Like yeah, the guy social media bullying. Who's absolutely. Throwing game over and over and over again and never getting, you know, accepted. And then it, you see that descent into madness. Because how I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like female friends will post like a screenshot from their social media or their their dating websites, or whatever. And it gets to the point where some guys using the C word and sending pictures of their dick because they're just like crazy crazy that like you could see that descent into madness the same way you see this guy like descending with the yearbook so hollywood give me a call i can look on reddit and find <laughs> tons of exhibits of incels we'll collaborate <laughs> so the only girl that accepts his dance is the nerdy plump girl that's sitting alone on the bleachers i described her like you would a trash bag hefty <laughs> hefty and <laughs> needs to be filled Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> She's don't, gonna report you for assault, brother. <laughs> I want to say, don't the don't the poor like. 
the girl gets called Buffalo or some <laughs> shit, doesn't she? Yeah. I'm like, did I hear that correctly? They call her <laughs> Buffalo. And she's and she totally is fine with it. She's like, hey guys, yep, what that's my name. What's going on? What's up, fools? So they end up making out under the bleachers and a bunch of boys find them and the girl basically turns on him and says he attacked her. Well, what's interesting, so she's asked like a leading question by one of the bullies. Oh, is this guy attacking you? And she's like, yeah, he's attacking me. I think the one thing that I would have liked in this is if if they had exhibited that she had maybe a crush on one of those boys to show that she had like a a deliberate motivation instead of so much panic. Because I feel like this way, it's almost like like she panicked and like drew a blank and didn't know what to do versus I like the idea that she's more malicious because she's just annoying and sniveling the whole movie. So I would have liked that. But go on. So the boys basically drag him out. They dump punch on him. They strip him and beat the shit out of him. Like, yeah. where are the teachers? Yeah, I know. Yeah. All <laughs> in the middle of a dance. I'm pretty sure if I was a chaperone, I'd be beating some little kid's ass. Oh, yeah. Just saying. I'd be arrested. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. The belt would be out. Yeah. And they kind of set up some stuff for the theme of the movie. There's a kid wearing a Valentine's yep. mask. And then he this, has, he has this kid has, nose, has right? a bloody nose right before he gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, this is a reference to Alone in the Dark 1982 where the guy Tom is revealed to be Skaggs because of the bloody nose. I like the homage, but it's like you took the gimmick of that movie. That's a little weird. <laughs> so 13 years later, we have Catherine Kegels. <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I queef. <laughs> So Jim's like, fuck you, dude. Oh, God. I now have a new gimmick, though. Anytime Jim is annoying me, I'm just going to go, go ahead, Jim. Why don't I try and start your next sentence? <laughs> <laughs> so she is out on a date with the creepy guy who likes to talk in third person. So weird. So weird. But it's great because it almost lets you start having the guessing game. Right? Because yeah, like, he is a JM. Is he the guy? Or is this the guy? And so it's it's a fun way of kind of jumping into that. And you want to talk about the fra- fragile, you know, male ego when she's basically saying, I'm not going to have sex with you. Then suddenly he wants her to pay. And then he still tries to impose himself on her. Like this movie's this movie was written to be cringy in 2001. And it's so much cringier in 2020, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes to leave (laughs) and she goes back to her school because she is studying to become a doctor and she's performing an autopsy. Can we talk about the fact that she clearly goes to school at Xavier School for Gifted Mutants? It looks... I was like, in my notes, I'm like, pulls up to mansion. Hey, wait a second. That's supposed to be a school. The fuck kind of tuition is she paying? Jesus Christ. (laughs) She's working on corpse. Right, I think that's what she like. Oh, she's verbatim. Work, she's working on Chad. Yeah, right. Yeah, wow. I bet. I bet Chad would like to get worked over. <laughs> Not by him. <laughs> would you have intercourse with her if you knew that every third thrust you'd have a queef? <laughs> yeah. Why not? It's compliments to the chef. I've always said. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. How the sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> So she hears a noise and goes to check it out, ends up running into a guy in the locker room. Is that the guy? Is that the killer? Who the fuck knows? (laughs) (laughs) The guy who you literally never see again, right? (laughs) So he leaves and she's right next to her locker and there's a red envelope and she opens it and is a creepy Valentine's card with a fun little throat slitting action. Hmm. What did the card say? Oh, I have all of the cards written in the notes, gentlemen. 
It says, quote, the journey of love is an arduous trek. Inside, my heart grows for you as you bleed from the neck. Uh, that's actually pretty good. All right, Brian, can you drop a fat beat? Nope. All right, Chad, can you drop a fat beat? <laughs> I don't know how. The journey of love is an arduous trek. My heart grows as you bleed from the neck. So Kegels goes back to the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> she she's going to cut into the abdomen, and the abdomen moves, and takes a breath, and she freaks out and is falling all over the place. And the corpse that she was supposed to be cutting, Chad falls out of the closet, and then she goes back to the table, which is empty. And then Killer gets dressed real quick. Mm. <laughs> this is something I like to talk about. This is Sherlock Holmes issue where it's like people predicting how people are going to be reacting and acting way too well. If I am the killer, not going to get naked and lay down without a weapon. And with, let her woman. almost slice me. Because like, what if men are born with weapons? They're called penises. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like an incel. But my point is, what if she's got the stress? She has finals the next day. What if she does what I did right before the bar exam and just decides to stab a book with a pencil, but it's stabbing a corpse with a scalpel? And then he dies. And then we don't have a movie. He jeopardized this movie that we all needed in our lives. Terrible. Hmm. I'm going to cut all this out. You guys are not reacting at all. <laughs> I like how he had almost like the same color skin as the the cadaver. Like he'd been (laughs) dead, right? It was like a bluish tint to the skin. And you're like, hmm. David Boreanaz is way more tan than that. (laughs) Even as a vampire. (laughs) So she goes running and arm grabs her from behind the drapes. And she escapes and goes running down the hall. By stabbing him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stabs him. And doesn't show any kind of like, okay, I'm limping or anything. Like, what? What'd she stab him with? Like a fucking scalpel. scalpel. Yeah. The, yeah. The scalpel, but like, what? The wrong side? She just like basically oh. fucking. <laughs> He's like, ah, that jabbed me. <laughs> you gave me a Charlie horse, damn it. I'm ah, going to feel that later. I'm going to have a bruise. <laughs> this is where we see the first time the. Valentine. We didn't have. We'll just call him Valentine, I guess. Well, I had it as Cherub in my notes. So. Cherub. Okay. So we see that he's all dressed in black with the Valentine mask, he's chasing her. She runs into corpse storage, and he comes in. Did you guys happen to notice how fucking like she was taking so much time, literally staring at the the hallway and the door? And you're like, okay, I would be fucking drop kicking doors, getting the fuck out of there as quick as possible. That's what I mean. Like, it was meant to build suspense, but this movie just edited very poorly. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't need her static staring there in anticipation. I need her reacting. I need her just moving on. Well, they do it. They do it later too. The same thing where in the sauna. In the sauna. Yeah. <laughs> he comes. His fake. He comes back. He's looking. He goes away, and he comes back and looking again. She's just sitting there staring. Peekaboo. <laughs> like, okay. Just because your mask is a baby doesn't mean I want to play peekaboo with you, you asshole. So in the corpse storage, he's going through and stabbing all the bags, and her, like a dumbass, hid in one of them very quickly, apparently. Yeah, right. And okay. so he finds her, and he slits her throat. Yeah, pretty weak. I mean... I just... I thought it was really weird that he's stabbing all of them, and then he opens up the one with her and then slits her throat. Yeah. You feel like he would stab her as well, and then it would just show the blood. I would feel almost like that was a better kill scene than anything else because it just doesn't go with 
what he's doing prior to finding her, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's less, there's less animosity to it because it's more of an elegant kill. I like the savagery of stabbing it. You know what I mean? Just keep stabbing. Even if, like you said, even if it's black and we're not seeing a knife enter a torso, the fact is, is that when he pulls the blood out or the knife out of that, it would be bloody versus when he pulls the knife out of the corpses right. because they've been exsanguinated, there is no blood. How cool would it be if he was just like going and he finds her and stabs her through the bag, almost like a ring wraith in Lord of the Rings? Ooh. <laughs> or they should stab the bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think she should have been stabbed in the stomach and then fall, fallen off of the tray and started like unzip crawling away. And then he, oh, like uh, a, like hey, a little caterpillar, like a worm. She was doing the worm. <laughs> because Scotty too hottie, and then Rikishi comes out, and they're too cool. <sighs> so the next scene is Denise Richards and Kate talking about Kate's boyfriend, who's an alcoholic. What was Denise Richards' nickname? I was going to call her Wax on, Wax off. Oh, yeah. Waxy. Waxy. <laughs> That's better. It's Waxy and Peppercorn talking about <laughs> BF problems. <laughs> I'm so glad this isn't a radio show where you can like, tune in halfway. People are like, what the fuck? <laughs> Waxy and Peppercorn? <laughs> but that, is, that does sound like a, a great bluegrass band. <laughs> oh, Waxy and Peppercorn. Hang out now! <laughs> one, of the, one of the guys from Thrice does uh, on his Instagram or something, he'd always do like... Um, Names of of like hipster bands. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Was a good one. Do you recall any? <laughs> it's no. been it's been so long. It's been years since he's done them. I'll have to go back and look them up because it's just just like random words or like adjectives with like things. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's always different like things, different sayings that me and Jake will will talk about with when it comes to like some kind of brutal kill or something. I'm like, that sounds like a hardcore band. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them. There's an old timey bluesy kind of country band and I want to say the guy was around in like the 60s and the name of the band was Sleepy LaBeef. <laughs> not that's an actual band <laughs> one of my favorite I, I hate baseball but one of my favorite hardcore bands is Puig Destroyer oh that's good that's good because fuck Puig <laughs> so Peppercorn and Waxy <laughs> I quit <laughs> are doing speed dating. This is another scene that's really edited weird. It's so weird. It's also it's like, just screams early 2000s. Am I right, guys? We were talking about in our text thread, this is proto Tinder, where it's like swipe <laughs> left, swipe left, swipe left. I feel like they need like a little time, a little buzzer thing. Beep. Yeah. Or like, eh. yeah. <laughs> next, please. <laughs> or like, the, you know, the thing where they play chess or where Bobby Fisher was like, yeah. Clack, yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Waxy does it. And he's like, no, you can't clack me. I clack you. <laughs> My fragile male ego can't take it. So Waxy bails her out kind of. And she bails her out with one of the guys that we see come back later. With a wax a dick. Right. Which yeah. adds to the list of the many other random guys in the film that you're like, hmm. Yeah. All the red you? herrings. And then they get a call about Kegels. And Queef. then... <laughs> <laughs> and then the next scene is I like how subdued yours was you used a lot of restraint compared to me like ah! <laughs> and then the next scene is at her funeral this is when you see all of the friends together see all the friends together we meet Angel and find out that, that he's the alcoholic boyfriend of Peppercorn and you meet Detective Me Too oh yeah that's right <laughs> I know this is a sensitive time for you all but can you tell me about your friend who's dead who you haven't seen in two years <laughs> the detective comes up and asks them about Shelly Kegels 
and the man that was with her. So I guess her cult? No, her date. Yeah, Jason Marquette or Marquette. something like that. And then the next scene is... Can we talk about this? One thing. One thing. You know, <laughs> sorry. I'm going to get real with you guys. I need to ask. The guy who she almost walks into in the mansion. The guy who you never see again. Were you like, holy shit, it's Stephen Baldwin. Was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm so confused. Was yeah. it really? The resemblance is uncanny Stephen kind of. Baldwin. Wow. All right. From Biodome. I got distracted because I would have rather been watching Biodome. <laughs> Dude, I will always watch Biodome. That's a great Purple movie. Purple sticky punch. <laughs> okay. Brainstorming. Holly Shore is the killer. <laughs> What's up, buddy? <laughs> What's that? Son-in-law? Great yes. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Munching on some grindage. <laughs> How do you feed a hungry man? Let's re-edit this movie. Okay, Polly Shore. <laughs> Jesus. He's wearing a mask, so you could put all the Polly Shore lines right over, and you won't know. Trademark. <laughs> so next scene, we're at <laughs> Dorothy's home, <laughs> who has a super swanky house. Yeah, dude. I thought She's for got- sure that she was being cuckolded and that the guy was like her, like, you know, her salty husband man have intersex. But then it's her dad. And it's just weird. When I, when I saw her and I was like, oh, wow, that's a pretty sweet house. I wonder what the fuck she's doing. And I'm like, oh, no, she's at her dad's house. And then her dad comes walking down. And I'm like, wait, your dad's a leather couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. her And her agent stepmom comes down and like berating her. And she calls her a mail order bride from hell. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> It's probably her best lines of the movie. <laughs> Before that, the door rang and her friend Campbell comes in asking for some financial help and she lets him stay there. That she apparently met a month before a month at yoga. Yoga. Huh. <laughs> Let me tell you. Some great life choices. Yeah. You know who I'm not talking to at yoga? That guy. You know who I am talking to at yoga? Dalsim. I want to be on that guy's good side. I thought you were going to say fire DDP. Teleporting. <laughs> oh. While you're watching it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I've done DDPY. That sounds a lot worse than I know. It is. <laughs> I know. Double dick penetration. Yum. That's that's <laughs> <answer. laughs> yeah. So the next scene is Peppercorn showering. She hears something gets out of the shower. <laughs> I first thought that this was Dorothy because it was in her house, right? So I was like, why does she have such a small shitty shower? She's got <laughs> such a nice house. And I was like mad. This is where she gives herself a swirly because the water's off. Oh, that was so gross. Is it, though? Because they always say if you're in an earthquake and they're in San Francisco. No, I'm pretty sure it's the water that's in the tank. Yeah, the back. Not, of the, not the toilet bowl. Not the toilet bowl. <laughs> oh, right, right. That's right, because you totally shit there. Yes, unless you do the double decker. <laughs> but you would do that to your own house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Some guy goes over to pranks. I You're beat like, you to well, it. I mean, when you have kids that have stomach issues, you gotta go. You gotta go. It's right? in the sink or it's in the top deck. Exactly. <laughs> Don't look at Daddy's sink. <laughs> Funniest time was when my wife was pregnant and she's puking while I'm shitting. So she had a, like Yikes. one bathroom. So she's puking in the tub, and I'm taking a shit. Wow. Oh, Untold yeah. stories of marriage. Oh, yes, it was the greatest. <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of fun as if you were sitting far enough back that she could like puke right in that little gap between your, you know, crotch yeah. and the. Bowl. And I wasn't even nice. I wasn't quiet. I was like, you <gasps> know, that smells worse than my shit. <laughs> 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 to be fair, if we're gonna have some kind of a contest. <laughs> 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 I kind of want to make a 2D fighter where that's like a character's like attack. <laughs> <laughs> I cleave. I cleave. 
<laughs> it's got the staying power of a Hadouken, right? Yeah. So after she gives herself a swirly, phone rings. There's no one there. And then she turns around and the door is open. Yeah. And so she goes down the hall and the elevator door is closing over and over on a Valentine mask. Does anybody her- else think that she is way too fucking calm for any of this? Right. Or is it, I mean, obviously you're like, okay, she's in a horror movie where you should feel the suspense and everything. But the way she portrays herself is like, oh, that's fine. My door is open for some reason. Yeah. And the fact that all these chicks get Valentine's that are threatening to them and they just don't mention it to a detective until days later after their friend was murdered is like, what? And then also (laughs) the fact that none of this ever happens in actual apartments where these girls are in no clothing whatsoever, just walking around in just like a towel. And that is unfair. <laughs> I know, right? We've worked. I'm pretty sure that doesn't that doesn't work. Bullshit. <laughs> and then from behind her comes Scary Gary, who's like, meh, meh, meh. He's, He's like rhyming, rhyming to her. Yeah. What does he say? Ryan, drop the fat beat. <laughs> hey, Kate, <laughs> are you late? <laughs> Let's <laughs> masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. You're going to do a, a, a tally of how many you do. Dude, I'm going to make up for all like the raw dogs and butt fucking I didn't get to. I'm just going to replace it with a queef. <laughs> so the next scene is Lily and Waxy watching dating tapes. Oh, it's target practice. Target practice. Yeah, that's go. right. Target practice. And target Lily. practice and Waxy. And this and is your Waxy. That's right. Your proto TikTok, like we were saying. Hey, girl, you'd like me. I'm going to go parasailing. And she's like, nope. God, that's so awkward. You can imagine like it being almost like the photo booth at the mall, but then you just like pay so much money and then it has does this like cheap little editing and then like this big ass clunky VHS tape pops out and says, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) Send it to all the lovers out there. And then you mail it. Somebody's not interested. You're like, hey, can you mail that back? (laughs) (laughs) I only got one copy from Star Shots. A good promo for this would be us filming our dating tapes. Oh boy. <laughs> What's up, girl? <laughs> so the doorbell rings and there's a delivery of a box of chocolates. I got a special delivery for you. <laughs> it wasn't a dick in a box either. <laughs> and a Valentine card that was actually a normal card. Yeah. But it said Love JM on it. Mm. It's a well known fact. Beauty is skin deep. Savor the taste as you are what you eat. Oh, okay. So she's a maggot. Hmm. And this is, oh, going back, there's also Dorothy getting the card. Roses are red, violets are blue. They'll need dental records to identify you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Which is great because later on you're like, that doesn't make sense. Why is she sending cards to her? She did it. Wee, wee, wee. <laughs> and well, yeah. Also, later on in the movie, it's not like she gets like fucking burnt to death where they can't recognize her unless it's just dental records. But yeah, like, guys, it's besides the point. Jumping way ahead there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's a little too haphazard and too planned at the same time. Like it's not planned enough and it's not reckless enough. Like Scream has a very fun feeling where it's like there's a framework. But they're kind of playing it by ear where this is like a little too much. If you're doing arts and crafts and then you're killing people, <laughs> you got to be more thorough. Right. Put the glue stick down. Take an extra five minutes to plan. That's right. And then, you know, how they say every serial killer has like a signature. This serial killer literally had like in shitty little handwriting, JM. That was the signature. (laughs) 
So they're going over JM names that they remember, and they come across Jeremy Melton from the sixth grade. Which is interesting, too, because they go through everybody, and they get to her, Jeremy, and they're like, oh, well, it couldn't be him. Whatever happened to him? Oh, he just got institutionalized and disappeared. <laughs> couldn't be him. <laughs> <laughs> Parents died in a fire. No big deal. Which it does kind of tie back to the actual source material. Because in this, you find out that it's like, uh, did he kill his parents? Where the book is like, yeah, he kind of killed his parents. So. so the next scene is Peppercorn and Waxy. At a party. At a party. And they see the creepy guy from Kegel's first yeah, date. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which kind of leads you to think like, oh, fuck. Well, it's interesting, too, because he specifically smiles, then he glowers at them and walks away. And so that's how you know, like, there's something different. Right. It's like kind of a super cheesy way of doing it because you never see him ever again, I think. Or do you? Is he in the party? I don't think you do. Is he in the party in the Valentines or no? No, because by then he's already been detained and let go. Oh, yeah. Hmm. It's another way for you to kind of go back to the theory of maybe it's him. But at the same time, you're just like, that's it. That's all it was, (laughs) is him just kind of being like, what's up, lady? Yeah. And then just like walk off. You're He's like, a little yeah. too Zach Morris and not enough Patrick Bateman for me <laughs> <laughs> to be like a legitimate threat, you know? So this is where Target Practice introduces Pfeffercorn to, do we give Max one? I just call them douchey artists. Douchey artist, douche artist. And then there's instant animosity with Waxy, which is just odd. And then she hits on Dorothy's yoga boy. And then they're like, oh, let, let me lick your face off. So then Max is giving a speech, or douchey artist is giving a speech. Pfeffercorn talks about the mask. Dorothy remembers the mask. What do we call Dorothy? Nepotism. Nepotism. Chunks a lot. She says (laughs) (laughs) that, oh yeah, remember like the mask from the thing. Oh, remember Jeremy Melton was there? And they're like, Jeremy Melton, deja vu. It's the same thing we were just talking about. And this is where douchey artist is like, excuse me, I'm talking like an incel would. So the douchey artist separates all the men and women to go and walk through his video gallery. It's like a porn. It's basically like fucking just random pictures of naked women and it was like, like videos of like close-ups of mouths saying things or like yeah like or, eyeballs and stuff yeah. you're like that's weird okay <laughs> did you like the fact that there was the deftones playing i really like uh, the soundtrack to all of this actually i was like good. hey that sounds like and then i looked up the soundtrack and i was like yep that's totally static x that's marilyn manson that's deftones that's a good portion of you know the shit that i was listening to so daddy like (laughs) so target practice is making out with douchey artists inside the video gallery and his assistant i guess starts walking over and watching them and starts undressing it's definitely i love it it made me super uncomfortable i was like what's happening here it's definitely a part of the movie where i'm like i wasn't i was totally okay with it but at the same time did it really need to be included (laughs) right that's like two or three minutes just shave it the fuck off i don't care flashing back and forth between the girl kind of touching herself and then making out. I don't know. So does it add an extra layer of just you're like, oh, maybe it's her? Well, I think it adds a good sense of unease. <laughs> well, because you look at it from Lily's perspective, because she's like, what is happening right now? If it's a consenting thing where she's like, hey, girl, come on over. But it's like somebody come on is, over. Come, come on, on over, <laughs> baby. <laughs> 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 So 
Lily's leaving upset and she goes, you turned out to be a cheap, hypocritical sleazeball. And he's like, yeah, but you knew that. Does that mean you're not going to be my Valentine? <laughs> That's pretty good. She starts freaking out and she starts running out and the exhibit starts freaking out. The screens are flickering and turning off and she turns around and gets shot in the stomach with an arrow. Because apparently they're amazing at archery. <laughs> Like, if I was that guy and I was trying to do that, no. I'd be the one that f- smacks my fucking forearm with the with the, <laughs> the bowstring or something. You're a twang and suddenly Brian's like, ah, it's in my eye. <laughs> I just go running away with the arrows stuck in me. Well, he probably took archery when he was in juvenile detention. Oh, and then that was makes in the perfect sense. It's his extracurricular activity, <laughs> his yard time for the day. And let me tell you, his accuracy is pretty fucking spot on, right? Well, he goes for the biggest surface area. It's not that good. I don't know. His grouping was on point, though. It was two to the tum and one to the <laughs> chest, though. It's not like he pulled a Robin Hood and split the arrow in twain. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I think it would have been cool if she would have got shot in the eyeball. Yeah, right. I thought, that would take like special effects and budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I that thought the last one was this being a ten million dollars. <laughs> I agree with you, Jim. I thought it was going to be the last one was going to be one to the dome. So she gets hit a few times and flies through a sheet, <laughs> and then she gets back through a door, and then finally through the fucking rails and. <laughs> down 10 stories into a dumpster it which totally, closes that totally reminded me almost of like the monty python black knight yeah, yeah. <laughs> merely a flesh wound <laughs> and then this is where also can we talk about this that's bullshit how easy it was for this guy to dispose of a body if it was that easy i'd be killing people all the time <laughs> <laughs> like hey where'd lily go i don't know she's she's on vacation <laughs> in los <laughs> I know. I like how they just assume. I mean, they had cell phones, too. It's right. not like at first I made a joke to my wife. I was like, oh, you know, of course, back when cell phones didn't exist, like this make this all could happen. Right. It makes more sense. And also they're all super rich. And, so they definitely have. And then later on, discount Chris Pine pulls out a cell phone. I was like, oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Should have just left it out. It was like what that border borderline time period where you could have left it out. Yep. Yep. So this is where that crazy girl comes in to and nepotism and Chris Pine are like talking or she's like what did she she's like you stole all my money can i get my money back but then she basically i don't think she goes to the point of him being malicious just a sleaze because she talks about his like investment and his startup so i could see kind of why nepotism's like well whatever you just made a bad business choice not like oh you were malicious or anything so well yeah he didn't embezzle your money so the next scene is three of the girls at home talking to detective me too this is where all three finally realize that, hey, we all received death threats that were all signed the same. What a coincidence. JM. Maybe we should go talk to the detective. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. And so as they're leaving, nepotism confesses that JM did not attack her. Oh, maybe that's the reason why he wants to kill all of us. Hmm. Whoops. <laughs> oh. Hey, that's my bad, guys. Yeah. Hawkward. You mean he got sent to reform school juvenile detention and then he was in an insane asylum and his parents died? Butterfly effect. <laughs> I think this is the part too where Peppercorn's like, it's not my boyfriend because I've known him for is ever. Is this now or is this at the is party? That, or is that I feel later? Like this is at the she party. says that multiple times though. That's true. Because they, they reference, they're like, we don't know who it is. And they're like, well, for all you know, it could be your fucking lover, lover boy because when did you meet him? A month ago? Well, and that's a great part where she throws shade at Waxy and she's like, you slept with people. You put a bunch of dicks in your pussy hole for people you don't know their last name. And she's like, oh yeah? What's Campbell's last name? Biatch. And the lady's like, huh. Let me think about that. 
And then she's like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so Peppercorn is on the computer looking up Jeremy Melton. Oh my God, that search browser though is amazing. Interlink web search. <laughs> no results. Oh, and then I took a picture of the screen for the paper file. Would you like me to read the contents contained therein? Please. On the night of February 14th, 1988, a minor, Jeremy Melton, age 11, was found with a minor, Dorothy Wheelett, age 12, making inappropriate advances. Upon discovery, the minor, Jeremy Melton, initiated a brawl with several classmates. Complete witness reports are pending. Melton was described to be, quote, in a rage, quote, and unwilling to acknowledge authority. And it basically goes on. <laughs> there, there are other people who s- corroborate the story. Joe told Oh, that's kind of interesting. It kind of gives a little backstory, even though it was literally like five seconds where you had to pause it and take a picture of it like Jake did. But it kind of goes into a little more detail as far as like how much animosity he kind of has for these people because they all fabricated this, right? Yeah, I'm really he goes sad into that Joe a rage. Didn't die. He goes into a rage and initiates a fight with a bunch of guys. I don't know if that's really a thing. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> we're going to beat the shit out of this kid. And do you guys see my knuckles? Yeah, he he initiated that. He slammed his face into my hand. <laughs> kept me in the fist. <laughs> but then it was really weird that Joe Tolga and his goons don't die. Yeah, like, I also thought that was weird. I don't know. The chick who says no to me, not so worried about. The guy who takes my pants off and punches me in the dick, probably <laughs> be a little more mad at. Right? So I feel like this definitely portrays our friend as an incel more. This unbridled hostility towards the fairer sex. Because he's saying, you know what, girls? That's unfairer. That's unfairer <laughs> sex. <laughs> so Angel comes while she's looking this stuff up. And they're going out to dinner. On the walk home, she tells him all about... The JM stuff, whatever, everything that happened. And he's like, nah, but we should probably go off to Mexico together just in case. (laughs) Wait for all this to blow over. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of cute. The next scene, they're at the police station. They're going over James' rap sheet. They don't know where he is. Parents died five years back in a fire. Because apparently nobody has like a filing system or any kind of way of keeping track of anybody, right? (laughs) They're just like, oh, I don't know. The guy's a ghost, right? And like... I feel like at any given time, even back in 2001, you had to actually pay somebody to make you disappear. Yeah, this is 20 <laughs> years after My Bloody Valentine where they do the same gag of like, oh, I don't know what happened to the guy. It's strange yeah, thing. True. The files are I gone. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and I was thinking about it like, it works in 1981. In 2001, I'm like, come on. Detective Me Too makes some inappropriate movement to Waxy. And he's yep. like, she's like, you can first start by taking your hand off my thigh and, and then you sh- can fuck right off. <laughs> Shove it up your ass. But I love that he's like, so what are we going to do about this? This, this tension, <laughs> sexual tension. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but you got to think like this has happened in her life like a million times where some producer like Weinsteining it and being like, hey, what are we going to do about the fact that you want to fuck my face? huh?" <laughs> Probably like, Weinstein himself. Yep. <laughs> so the next scene is at Kate's apartment. And the camera kind of goes through. You don't know who his viewpoint is from. And you see the... The fucking neighbor, the, man. The, the iron. The, yeah, he goes past the iron, which but is very also, obviously on. Do you guys notice what he's wearing? 
He's got fishnets on. Oh yeah, well, he's, totally well, he's going, trying on her. Yeah, her panties. yeah. Because they reference earlier that her panties have been missing, and then David Boreanaz jokes that he's been stealing them. But you find out that it's actually been Creepy Gary. <laughs> so you're thinking, oh shit, this disembodied hand in this first person perspective is going to attack this poor girl with an iron. And I'm like, I'm not prepared to watch that. But then I'm seeing it's going to attack some guy with mental illness, and I'm like, oh fine, go for it. <laughs> so he melts his fucking face, and he turns an iron into a deadly mace and just starts whipping the dude with it. And I'm like, holy shit. And then they just cleaned it up and nothing happens. Yeah, that's that's one part Crazy. that I thought was interesting was you're like, well, okay, where did the body go? You know like, how much forensic files nothing. I've watched? Between his bloody nose and this scene, boom, he's in jail. <laughs> that's it. So Peppercorn comes home and Angel's waiting for her, says that he talked with the detective and they talk about the party that nepotism is going to throw. And then Peppercorn goes up into her apartment and she finds Waxy. Yeah, you think, oh, shit, she's going to find this bloody scene. Nope. And uh, this is also important because she gives him an IOU TLC coupon after he gives her a lollipop. And then, of course, as I'm watching this for the last three days, I've had lollipop, lollipop, lolly, lolly, lolly. You guys want to join? We could do it together. Chad, I'm looking at you to be the boom, boom, boom. Nobody? You're not actually going to do it? I knew I could get you back on my side. While they're sitting there with Waxy at the apartment, they get two phone calls. One is Dorothy calling saying that Campbell was interrogated and he's going to leave me. And she's like, Hermie, why? Because she's totally Miss Piggy for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the part where she kind of goes off and says like, well, I've always been the fat girl. You have this and I have that. Later, but Uh, you can see she's like huffing and puffing already before she blows the house down. Then it's Detective (laughs) Me Too saying that uh, the Patrick Baton wannabe has been detained. And now is at Dorothy Nepotism's house and they are getting the hot tub ready and she's there with Chris Pine and she gives him a watch. They make out and then they end up in bed awkwardly and he's like, Raw dog! <laughs> she's, she's like, don't worry about it. Yeah, that was a really awkward scene, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, I mean, it seemed totally forced. And I don't know. I guess it gives you kind of like another suspect, maybe. Like he he almost feels jaded because she kind of like shamed him by not performing that well. So like he could possibly be the oh, killer or something. I took it like it was supposed to be a tell because he wasn't attracted to her at all. But, oh, yeah. I mean, that's also a thing as well. So and that's weird because like almost directly after that, there's a scene where she's coming out of the shower and they're like, oh, yeah, fuck you. Fuck. Oh, nope. Got to go to the gym. Right. Right. So I don't know. There's a little bit of strange connection between them. And obviously it kind of goes to him just being I just care about the money and that's it. But you yeah. can also look at it in other ways. So because immediately after that, so he does, he interrupts her shower. He gives her a Valentine's necklace, like Ooh, a little which is a cherub. cherub, which is a cherub. And then the next scene is he's on his phone down by the pool, which he's talking about his his dealings or whatever. Right. Down by the and he, pool. She intercoms him and asks him to go check on the water heater. And he gets <laughs> fucking like pissed off. He's just like, what am I? What was he saying? On the payroll. What am I on the fucking payroll now or something? <laughs> what and i love the idea that that whole mansion has one water heater oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) so he goes to the like the underground section and goes to light the pilot and there is a wood chopping block 
underground with an axe in it for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I have that at my house, but We're split yeah, walls. not under your mansion though. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also I, I live in the mountains, so I, I guess feel that like makes sense. <laughs> Brian's house is a mansion compared to all of ours because of the fact it's in the mountains. So he's going to to light the pilot and the axe is gone and then he stands up and gets axed in the back. Such a weak kill. It's a dude. very yeah. weak yeah. kill. Absolutely. This one was very I was, boring. I was really hoping to see almost like like a, a pipe burst and steam melt his face or yeah. something. Like that would be a little cool. I'm or even that. just taking the axe, hitting said water heater and then having it explode. Could you imagine? That could be so dope. Yeah. Instead of just having a handle stick out of somebody's bathrobe with some red. I mean, essentially it was my bloody Valentine's girl getting stabbed in the stomach. Yeah. Right. In the original, the, the brunette who gets the pickaxe in the yeah, stomach. Hollis's right. Girlfriend. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, you want to see so much more, at least like some entrails or something. Obviously 1981, it's kind of rough, right. Depending on what they can get approved for, but 20 yeah, years later, come on. Exactly. Fellas. Exactly. We're just lazy writing. It was kind of funny too, because when when have you ever seen an axe kill that's just like one and done? Yeah, that's nope. totally true. And he yeah. just like fell forward, especially I mean, for I, where he hit him too. Like if you get okay, you get hit in the face with an axe. Like having the on scene initial hit is like fine. You can be lazy and just have one, but then you can also just have like a silhouette of a guy hitting over and over again with an axe. So you can kind of get like that. Oh my god, that was a brutal murder. Yeah, it took right? Lizzie Borden forty whacks with a hatchet. <laughs> so this is. Bullshit. <laughs> so next scene is they're up at the party and nepotism sitting there eating a plate of chicken wings because she's mad. <laughs> Did we say she's scarfing? <laughs> scarfing. Uh, right down her gullet. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's mad that Chris Pine is gone and Angel and Pepper Peppercorn. <laughs> pe- pe- peckercorn. Peckercorn. <laughs> Come in and Angel plays his IOU DLC card. It's like rub that pussy on my face on the dance floor, baby. <laughs> so Waxy's out on the dance floor dancing by herself, and the guy that she invited from the speed dating show shows up, and they start dancing. And he says, "I'd much rather take you upstairs." Yeah, I got surprise, say, man. His pickup lines are fucking awful. <laughs> They're so bad, right? And they go upstairs, and he's like, "I've got a surprise for you," and you're like, "Really? That's what you're gonna say?" <laughs> what do you say? He he drops his pants and he tells her to wax it. Yep. Well, I love the fact that she says, quote, you brought me up here to show me your penis. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so she decides to play along. She ties his arms to the bed and blindfolds him. Where does she him. get the stuff to tie it up? It's not her house. Where does she know where all this loose <laughs> fabric is? Is this almost, a Joanne's? Almost like she's had sex in that place before. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Dorothy's so mad nepotism sitting there like everybody's getting some beside her <laughs> in her own house <laughs> yikes and waxy waxes his dick <laughs> but not in the way not in the good he, way not in the way he wants to wax I it i kind of wish that she had like you know some like fancy ring with like filigree and then she like pressed Signated down on his it. dick <laughs> like it was like a letter from the 1600s <laughs> She almost just mushroom stamped his mushroom stamp. 
They, what, I'm kind of disappointed they don't show like the after effect of this scene where he's like in his 50s and he's like yelling at his wife like pour more wax on it. She's like Dude, we've run out of candles. At, <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the movie, I was like, Waxy Dick is still up there. He's probably alive. <laughs> he was probably one of the only guys that lived. Yeah, right. I mean, I probably wouldn't want to live after having Waxy Dick, but I mean, oh, it, it heals. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Do go on. So the, my 20s were an interesting time. I'm in my 30s now and none of it matters. So now the crazy lady from the art exhibit shows up and she sees her necklace that was given to nepotism. She says that he stole it from her. Did you notice in the background is the guy from Speed Dating who couldn't talk? Yeah, and he's just kind of Super staring funny. at them and like turns away and like, <laughs> I so wish that he was the killer. Like I, for like a split second, I was like, oh my God, how much more would I love this movie if you got to the very end and you got like Kaiser Sose and realized that this idiot who couldn't speak was in the background of every scene and we just didn't notice it until the very end. I like the fact that throughout this whole party, you have all these guys dancing to this music. Their dancing doesn't go with any of the music that's playing whatsoever. Yeah, you no have like this heavy nothing. metal shit going on and they're just like rocking their hips and shit. I'm like, you guys are doing it all wrong. <laughs> More thrusting, less swaying. Oh, going back to Ruthie with the chair of necklace. She tells nepotism, like all the shit about him. Yeah, basically she just adds more details about his embezzling and she's like, well, we're in love and you can suck my taint. <laughs> and then Waxy grabs a bottle of champagne and disappears to, quote, chill out, even though she gets into a hot sauna. What's that all about? Dumb. And then they, they escort Ruthie out of the house, right? Or they're tr supposedly yeah. escorting her out. Then and then, like, later on, you're like, wait, what? She's back in the house. Where's the security yeah. in yeah, this Yeah, she shit? was back. Back, <laughs> back again. again. <laughs> Ruthie's back. <laughs> Tell, Tell a friend. This is where the artist douche comes back and he's like, hey, Peppercorn, can I tongue fuck your bungie hole? And she's like, ew, why do you keep doing that? And he's like, well, Lily's not here to tongue fuck her bungie hole. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, her tongue fucked bucky hole has been gone forever. And she's like, what? I, I might be <laughs> misquoting it. <laughs> but this is also where it kind of goes and, and has her think to herself like, oh, my God. I need to tell the detective all of this shit that's happening and maybe include all the other shit that we might have left out. Whoops. <laughs> when you're talking to the detective about your friend's murder, that is not the Cliff Notes version. That is the full <laughs> unabridged text where you tell him everything. So yeah, crazy lady Ruthie goes. This is where she comes back. She's going through the guy's stuff. She finds a watch. She's like, oh, this is nice. How dainty is that kid's wrist that it fits her, <laughs> right? I thought it was convenient how she grabs or she gives him the watch for like a Valentine's Day gift. She's only known the dude for a month and it fits perfectly. You're like, oh, come on. Not even like a link. My oh, wife <laughs> never gotten me a watch that fits right the first time. So she goes downstairs and she sees Valentine just dragging a dead maid. Millie the maid. Oh, Millie. And she freaking Millie. busts him up in the face with a pool cue. Yeah, dude. And then she hides in the sauna. Hides in the sauna. And then we get that weird, awkward editing where he's like, looks in the window and then leaves and looks in the window. <laughs> and then for some reason, he hid Campbell's body under the bench bleeding. It was so weird. Yeah, that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, And then she just like a minute later, she just walks out the door that the guy was behind. Like, why not just stay there? Or you're try gonna see calling him. someone? Yeah, you're going to see him come in 
I yeah, mean, watching this with the wife, she was like, well, guess who would be living underneath the sauna bench for the rest of their lives? <laughs> I would be eating the wood of the sauna and be like, well, this is what I eat now. I mean, <laughs> well, and also he doesn't turn up the heat or make it uncomfortable where she can't stay there. It's just she gets impatient. I know that's you know kind of great is if she looked at her newly acquired watch that she stole and she goes, would you look at the time? I better split <laughs> and then gets killed. <laughs> So she leaves. He grabs her from behind almost immediately. Throws he grabs her behind from behind. <laughs> Maybe. Which would be her vagina. I don't think this is the... Grab de- him by the... P- I don't think the detective <laughs> is the killer. So he wouldn't grab her from behind. Old detective grab a hand. <laughs> so he throws her through the glass shower and then impales her face. It's probably my favorite kill of yeah. the movie. Yeah, I agree. The throat. For sure. Yeah. No, this isn't my favorite. Denise Richards is my favorite. I would I like the Denise Richards kill if it included everything that was cut out. Nipples? Her face like melting. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. They like show a close up of her face like just completely getting melted, like as she's getting shocked to death. I just love campy Sherlock though. I mean, it's so dumb. Like so basically what you're saying, he enters the sauna with a drill with like a novelty <laughs> size bit not to just gank her with but to throw her in the water close it up assume that the thing has a lock that'll lock her in from with and then drill i mean that's just i'm surprised they didn't have like clearly labeled like milwaukee on the side oh, of the drill. Right? <laughs> yeah. it had the color yeah, yeah it was definitely sure. a milwaukee but it yeah. wasn't a dewalt but then also he that imply because it's a plug-in he has to have an extension cord like that motherfucker has a long cord or something right <laughs> or you have some outlets right next to the hot tub, which is not safe. Yeah. <laughs> but I like it because it's it, because it's dumb. So the next scene is where Peppercorn is finally telling nepotism that target practice never made it to L.A. And she gets a call from the detective. The detective says yes to let the creepy uh, Marquette go. So he might be on the way to the party or he might be at the party. And the detective is on the way to the party. And then Peppercorn finds Angel pounding champagne. After getting into it with him, the entire movie about his drinking. Well, he's been sober for three whole weeks. <laughs> I like how it's like, okay, I'm going to break this by just pounding some champagne. There's a party full of all kinds of liquor, right? You have tequila, vodka, whatever. And he's like, okay, let me just go ahead and pound this champagne because I'm so fucking hard. <laughs> I'm hard I- like Mike's lemonade, bitch. <laughs> I feel like it was a good setup for the for being uncertain about is it really him or is he just drunk? Like is he just acting weird because he's drunk or is he the killer? Is that one last Yeah, so do you think that he actually was drinking at this point or do you think that he was faking drinking so that she would be like, Oh, he's too incapacitated to be this guy and be this Machiavellian schemer because he's like too chemically dependent and he's too impaired. I think he was faking. Yeah, I, I do too. I think maybe he might have had a So sip, I don't but. think at this point in the film he is aware that they have a hankering on who it is, right? Is he even aware of people getting murdered? Other than, I mean, other than the first girl? You yeah, because I mean? they talk about it when they go on their little date where he talks about them leaving to Mexico. So he knows the full extent of the investigation and the fact that they're even talking about the guy Jeremy oh, okay. Melton. But that's the point. It's like, so I feel like this is a swerve on purpose because it's forgivable for her to see him be a drunk, but then to save her life. So he ingratiates herself to her with this yeah, like, that kind makes of sense. scheme. That's the way You're I also giving the film way too much credit. I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene is Waxy getting in the hot tub. I got to tell you guys, I was really disappointed in her outfit. 
I was hoping it'd be a little skimpier. Right. Did you notice that she, like the front had like a like a fupa protector and she clearly <laughs> didn't have one. I did not notice that. I was thinking like, I don't know, she doesn't need it, but good for her. <laughs> but my own selfish <laughs> reasons, I was very disappointed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just go on the record as saying the Ron chick showed her boobs in Starship <laughs> Troopers. Yep. <laughs> I'm not complaining about the boobs Although, we got. I, was gonna say, I mean, I wasn't complaining about the ones I saw, but <laughs> yeah. Did you guys notice it within the scene in the sauna? She's just relaxing. And then it goes to the point where I talked about this in Boar, where you have either this, the most silent, stealthy ninja or the fastest person alive. Like Boar, for instance, it was yeah. <laughs> one second it's there and one second it's yes, gone. And they're staring <laughs> at the exact same direction of where it was. Yeah. And they're just like, where the fuck did it go? So she's just like, one second she turns around and then literally she turns and there's a rose. And you're like, Okay, how did you not hear some guy in a fucking jumpsuit like running over <laughs> carrying a fucking drill in one hand and a rose in the other? And right? running and plugging something in. Because here's the thing, you have to confront this. Either he plugs it in in that room Ahead or the time, door right? can't slam because there's an extension cord going to the hallway. <laughs> That's possible. I also want to know how she did not hear oh boy. when he put the rose down. That's what happens when you do that, right? I'm not going to sing it because I don't know any of the words, but <laughs> it was in Batman, wasn't it? Yeah, Batman and Robin, I think. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's t- still technically a Batman, though, right? Yeah, for sure. It's one of my, it least, was in one a of my least favorites, but you know. There's no such thing as a least favorite Batman until you get to The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> Hold on, there's four minutes until Gotham explodes from some nuclear blah blah, but I'm gonna paint some pyrotechnic gel to make my signal. Oh, and my back hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that movie. Still mad. <laughs> never forgive, never forget. Move on. I said move on. <laughs> All right, so she gets killed, and then we go on to Pepperborn. She, doesn't she like walk out of the hot tub and then he pushes her in? He right? like grabs her and he like chucks her, chucks and then her, like yeah. chucks her in. Apparently, the stunt double got like all lacerated. fucking cut up. Yeah, dude. Yeah, from getting thrown in from the jets, uh, which is kind of crazy. And then he throws over the lid, right? Which seems super unsafe. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just used to back in the day over at your parents' house where it's like the nice foamy little pad <laughs> that you just kind of yeah. push off to the side. Right. And it's totally cool. Even those have like little Velcro straps where you can clearly like Duh. muscle your way out <laughs> and you're fucking cool. Right. But I mean, this is like kind of crazy. And was it glass or was it like plexi plexiglass? Plexiglass. plexiglass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. When she I was- just have to say I waited very patiently to sing this. So <laughs> waxy, waxy, waxy and the jets. Because the jets <laughs> lacerate the woman who ended up going to the hospital. That was a stretch, but I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> Let's do a show of hands. Is that that much of a stretch? <laughs> Brian, what was the last song that you did on this show? I don't do them. You just did Kiss from a Rose in a Grave. You just did it. No, I was copying you, and I wasn't even singing. I was just going, <laughs> so there. It's going to be my new ringtone, by the way. I'm going to isolate your audio. You're this. welcome. I'm going to be in the middle of court, and it's going to go off, and the judge is going to be like, I'm not even going to sanction you for that. That was terrible. <laughs> That's punishment in and of itself. I like the fact that he takes his time in 
trying to kill her with the stupid drill. Yeah. And then as soon as he hits her, he's like, ah, you know what? I've had my fun. <laughs> Lifts it up it. and just throws <laughs> it in. He's like, I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. I have some champagne to pretend to drink. <laughs> I thought when she was walking around looking for whatever the sound was in front of all the bushes, I thought it was going to be like a Jurassic Park ah. clever clever girl. Ah. <laughs> I, like, I, I thought there were going to be like weed plants in there. It was like fucking crazy. Well, the initial shot kind of looked like it. Like, like, wow, she's got a pretty big grow going on here. That's it, man. How do you think they got all, they were able to afford that fucking mansion? Her dad, the leather couch, is actually a drug dealer. So the next scene is Peppercord and Nepotism talking, and Nepotism suggests that Angel could be the killer. They get in a fight. It's like, I'm just saying because I was fat, blah, 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 blah. Right? Yeah, it all comes out that she's still, she's pissed off at them because she still has all that animosity from being the one that wasn't not being an it girl yeah essentially well then she was the it girl by the end of it and then peppercorn gets a, gets a phone call no she goes she makes oh gets call. phone and calls the detective yep. and then she hears his phone ringing from like 100 feet away why didn't we call him detective mannequin because I'm pretty sure that's a mannequin's head yeah, floating dude. in the fucking pot. <laughs> yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> that head is so as bad. bad, if not worse, as the one that's in Velocipastas. I was yeah. going to say, I think Velocipastas is better because they at least drew the that eyebrows it's a on. mannequin head. <laughs> Chad, you watched it, right? Yeah. It was so this bad. <laughs> it was so bad, it was good. <laughs> I actually like it better than this. There were parts I'm that I saying. laughed and then I was like, I hate you guys for making me watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. The random laughing back and forth between the two evil guys, yes. the white ninja, and they're like, ha ha, ha 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 ha. And it was like almost like a duel between laughing. Right. That yeah, was pretty cool. You guys are totally missing out if you haven't watched The Lost Pastor. <laughs> so Jim, she, get she, right on it. I'll get on it. <laughs> get down on it. Get down on it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I just compliment what you do. I don't actually do the singing. You're an enabler. Wow. <laughs> so How she, am I ever supposed to recover if you keep doing this to me, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> so she runs across the yard and finds the ringing phone out by a pond, and she sees the IOU that she gave to Angel floating, and she goes to grab it, and the detective head floats up. And he's like, hey, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So after that, she runs back inside. The house is basically deserted, and so Angel is coming down the stairs, all creepy-like. He does not look like a pretty girl on prom. No. (laughs) (laughs) For the unveil. Can we talk about that terrible shirt that he's wearing, like a bowling shirt from Sadness? What was, like shirt, was what was the shirt he was wearing at the bar where it's literally just a rig, uh, like a normal green t-shirt with a front pocket? Yeah. What's That's that, it. Dude? And you're like, um, I'm sorry, what? And it goes to show, I guess, if you only have 10 days on the on set, you're literally just like, okay, this will work. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to win back your betrothed in that outfit. <laughs> so Angel asks Peppercorn to dance with him. And he's kind of they're kind of playing up the whole is he drunk or is he the killer still? Yeah. Where he says, you know, I screwed up. She thinks he's the killer. Needs him in the balls and runs off. He's like Mr. Invincible because he gets up pretty quick. I'd be on the ground for a while. Dude, like, you pull cue me in the face. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I've been punched in the face a lot, but I think a pool cue to the face, you might keep me down for a few extra minutes and then get kicked in the balls. Like, you know what? Fuck my evil plan. You know that stupid, <laughs> stupid lame joke that keep, they keep on playing on Family Guy where Peter's running and then he kicks himself in the shin? <laughs> <sighs> that would be me for like a good minute. <laughs> so she runs upstairs. She finds a room destroyed. The angel follows her upstairs. She runs into the room with Waxy in the hot tub. 
And she runs out, grabs a champagne bottle, and hits Angel over the head. Like she like jabs him in the face with it and explodes. Yeah, it's a pretty cool it, it, effect. It, huh. but it was no like blemish. a weird. It was like a weird way of doing it, though. Like you imagine it's somebody just gonna swing overhand, but she literally just like almost just jabs it in his face. Yeah, and like, those things like, are so hard to break. <laughs> yeah, and then like the glass, I feel like you would be cutting people up, but he doesn't have n- nigh one hair out of place. <laughs> So she runs into the bathroom and she sees Ruthie impaled there. And then she goes and finds Nepotism's father's gun cabinet and loads a handgun. And she's yeah. walking through like she's Detective Clarice Stark. And she's like, ah, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, Valentine's just going to collapse downstairs <laughs> and attack me. <laughs> so she goes upstairs. She runs into Valentine at the top and they both fall down. Like literally runs into. Runs into. Which is very silly to me. Because this this has reminded me of like Ghostface and Scream where it's like flopping around. But then it makes sense why later. <laughs> yeah. So they both fall down. She gets up and then Valentine sits both upright and gets shot in the chest. Yeah, it almost reminded me. She's like Shay Frankenstein right there. Right. She's just like, mm, or the Undertaker. Yeah, I was about to correct you and be like, <laughs> So the person that shot her was Angel. And then they take off the mask and it's Dorothy or nepotism. What a twist, right? It's like Scooby-Doo all over again. (laughs) By golly, gosh, gosh, darn it. It's the only other person in this dumb cartoon but me. (laughs) And so the movie ends with Angel sitting there consoling Peppercorn. And she's like, I love you. He's like, I love you. It just seems like kind of out of character what he was talking about. Right. I don't oh, know. Like he's talking about like the hatred and everything, like having an embodiment and making you do something. Right, like I get I get it in the fact that it's like him dwelling about everything ever since he was a little kid. But like it would be nice if they would like throughout the movie kind of have him go into his deep thoughts. Right. Where it's like a recurring thing, even if it's not necessarily showing who it is, if it's just like maybe like behind the mask. You just like have like this like deep thought of stuff like that. But I don't know. Just for you to see it at the very end of the movie and it coming out of his mouth. Like you're like, ah, that seems strange because I don't know. I was never sold in the fact that it was Dorothy. Dorothy. Exactly. So I was like, okay, I know it's this guy. But at the same time, him kind of going on this like brooding thing about hatred and it can turn a person violent, this or that just seemed completely out of character. I I think that's the point because then when the nose bleeds, I mean, the dude's been hit in the face a bunch that you see, right? (laughs) So it's like, oh, he's definitively the guy. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's what we were talking about, Jim and I, before the show started. I think Chad was there. Maybe you were there. Maybe we've already had this conversation on the show. Who knows? I might have been pooping. Probably. (laughs) But the idea is, like, this is the most obvious conclusion, right? Look at Sydney in in Scream. Her boyfriend's the killer. Spoilers. And in this one, it's like, okay, so just because you're the boyfriend doesn't mean you're sacrosanct, blah, blah. And so you're already suspicious. You have a bunch of reasons to be suspicious. He's the biggest name actor, so you're thinking, come on. And then it's like, oh, well, here's a twist at the very end. So you're like, ah, it's not. You're like, okay. And then it is. And you're like, okay, that's what I wanted. (laughs) So you kind of get like the pseudo twist, which is cute. But I also like that the pseudo twist doesn't make sense. Like her getting the card so that her the character is like, oh, I don't know. Like this still doesn't make sense. And he's like, nope, it definitely makes sense. And as he's explaining how it makes sense, you're getting into his psyche and the trickle of blood. Like I I think it's like we I asked you guys all for a one word review. Mine was quaint. I could totally see somebody who's never seen a horror movie stumbling on this and be like, oh, this is so fun. Like this is a twist because, you know, you hadn't seen your Pamela yeah. Voorhees's or your Angela Baker's or anything like that before. What's your one word review, Chad? Hmm. 
boring. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There Brian, you go. yours wasn't a word. It was. It was 2001. Very much so. <laughs> that works. And Jim was. <laughs> predictable. So there you go. I think that Jim and mine kind of parallel because mine is quaint because it's so predictable, but it's like, oh, you tried. It's yeah. like one of little kids like, Uncle Brian, Uncle Brian, look. And they just like kind of shimmy. And you're like, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> my, my one word review basically just shows everybody I don't know what words are. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, review, Brian. 2001. That's not a word, but you're fine. <laughs> Does anybody else think to themselves, where the fuck is that detective's backup? Did he have a partner? Or his body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, these are like the most laxadaisical like, detectives and police force ever. Hey, yeah, where's he, that fucking guy at? Ah, I don't know. He's on vacation somewhere. Probably getting his dick wet with that waxy girl who's sliding her <laughs> vagina around his office. Wow. slime everywhere. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if that makes a cut. <laughs> so, boys. It's okay. Categorize it. Tragic. Oh, tragic. Not trasha. Tragic. I'm going to say tragic just because I do think it's quaint. Too. What do you think? Tragic. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm with Jim. I, I'm firmly in the uh, trash camp. It's two right. and two. I two. like it. I think I like it's, it. it's like it's fun. Like and it's like a weird time capsule, and so, it just shows. So like, here's the thing: Did any of the wives watch it? Also, no, no. Jackie My wife did. was a bed like Jackie. Jack, Jackie did. Okay, so we should have Michelle and Jackie uh, jump in on the mix and give their thought on if it's tragic, tragic, or classic. Or I, I mean, it won't be classic. I know that for a fact. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could also have our fans say, mm. "You guys be the deciding vote." Let us know slasherspot at gmail.com or slasherspot on all of our Instagrams and Twitter pages and slasher apps and everything. And let us know if you think this movie is good, bad, or bad, bad. But I, I think it's bad, 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 good, bad. <laughs> I think I hear this. I'll say I think it could have been great. Yeah, could have. Oh, absolutely. That's where a remake would definitely make I sense. Think, yeah, right. I think this is definitely fit. And the metadata is there and stuff. I like them. You know, that's what I mean. It's like, kind of like what we talked about with Candyman. I think it's a great rough draft. I also feel like My Bloody Valentine could be, be remade nope. again. Perfect. The way it is. <laughs> leave it don't you chuckle at me you man you gross butthole man it's this perfect little microcosm of everything I love about horror movies all at once all of the mythology just in one movie very good and it's also got a jammer of a song like this song does not have its own the ballad, ballad. The this movie needs ballad. a ballad is that the secret song the secret track for that one no oh you copyright. totally could right because no, everything's been get... ripped off of it because I don't have any express permission uh, that's true I'm sure the artist probably wouldn't give a fuck Zazah. well he'd also have to catch me <laughs> that's and, true and luck, that's like the one benefit of being like super small time and nobody knowing who the Under fuck the we radar. are so <laughs> <laughs> that ballad's fucking sweet it's a jammer we should play it after this. Just all of us together, hanging out, <laughs> sway back and forth. That's it. Put that uh, app on your phone where it looks like a lighter and we can just sway. <laughs> so, boys, uh, is it a tragic champion? It's just the worst movie we've seen this year. Tragic champion. <laughs> all right. If it's the best of the worst, I'll give it the tragic champion. Here's the thing. It's a tragic champion because we're more than likely going to cover something that's a lot worse than this. So I feel like you it's guys... a placeholder? Are, you guys are okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Lex Luger champion. Yeah, like, you'll, you're you'll not be champion. Fine. You're just you'll holding it for somebody else to beat you. It's basically like the Houston Astros of <laughs> <laughs> tragic champions this season. Uh, I'll allow it. All right, fellas. So I would like to plug our Patreon 
I don't ever plug it, so bear with me on this one. I don't have any pre-rehearsed spiel, but you get episodes early, you get extra episodes, you get video content, you get all sorts, you get stickers, you get shirts at a certain level, who cares? If you go and you leave us a review, I'll give you a shout out on the show. If you do the Slasher submission page and you give us recommendations, I'll give you early access by a week. And yeah, we're cool, you're cool, let's make out. What do you say, guys? If you ain't watching them dying, you ain't really trying. Enjoy killing time. Until next week. Beep, beep, fuck boys. And for these gents, can't believe we got us all in the same room at the same time. My name is Jake, and I'd like to remind you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. Well, that was an episode, wasn't it? I'm incredibly humbled by the fact that this show has brought us just enough clout on the internet to where I can reach out to a band that I've been listening to since 1998, uh, since I was a young whelp uh, before a mortgage and a child and, you know, selling out. Uh, and they would get back to me and send me a song to use on my bullshit little podcast. So this week, the hidden track is The Hathers by Tsunami Bomb off of the new record, The Spine That Binds, off of Alternative Tentacles Records. Please be sure to patronize them, let them know how you found them, and enjoy.